Hello and welcome to the Wanderings podcast. Wherever you are in the world these days, I hope you are okay and taking care of yourself during these uh, difficult times and that you are staying healthy and productive and creative. These past few weeks, I have been interviewing about a dozen musicians from all over the world that given the current circumstances, have to stay at home. And we've been talking about their projects, their instruments, and uh, how the current situation is changing their uh, lives. And it has been a fantastic experience learning about their stories and their trajectories. These interviews are a part of another project I have uh, on YouTube called The DNA of Music. But from time to time, I thought it would be cool to share some of these uh, conversations here, especially when they feature people that have been personally very influential in my own journey. So my guest today is a great example of this. His name is the Demetrius Petsalakis. He is a fantastic musician and composer and also happens to be a good friend. When you hear the introduction of the Wanderings podcast, you actually hear him on the oud. Uh, since Demi is one of the first musicians to join my band, the Blue Dot Ensemble. And on this episode, we sat down and we talked a lot about world music, uh, Demi's uh, upbringing in Greece, and then his life in Canada. And the conversation is infused with a demonstration of the sounds of some of the many, 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 many instruments that Demi plays, including the oud, the buzuki, and the cretan lira. Demi is a great artist. There is a lot of very cool um, ideas that he shares on this podcast, and I hope you will enjoy this wide-ranging musings on the music of the world. So, without further ado, we're back with the Wanderings podcast, and here is my conversation with Demetrios Petsalakis. Awesome. I think I think I'm good. I've got all the toys. Well, I've got some of the toys. Some all of the, the toys, toys. Too many. Yeah, because uh, I wanted you to be the the first one for this uh, new session of. <laughs> I'm calling this show uh, the DNA of music, right? So like it's the people that are making it and what makes the music of different places. But then I wanted to start with you uh, this in quarantine version because all musicians from around the world are basically. Uh, they're supposed to be non-essential personnel, or at least they're supposed to be at yeah. home working. So I thought, why not share like all the stories and share how people are doing? So let's start off with uh, Mr. Demetrios Petsalakis. Thank you for being on the show today. <laughs> and uh, one thing, the first thing I wanted to, to ask, because you are one that plays what, I don't know how many instruments you play. Well, a few different ones, but they're kind of, similar categories uh-huh yeah like so it's basically you play a lot of like inst string instruments right from around yes. the world mostly yeah. mostly string instruments and um lately some electronic right instruments but and percussion but mostly and percussion yes. yes string percussion that's it nothing that involves breathing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i um i feel you there i tried to play uh, a supilka and a tin whistle once 
and then uh, it's it's not for me at least uh, uh, maybe maybe in a few years. So uh, just tell a little bit like about you. I know you are from uh, like from Greece, but you live in Toronto. So do a little like rundown of like uh, your like background and all that stuff. So I was born uh, in Greece. I grew up in uh, Greece my whole life. And well, not my whole life until until I was 20. Mm-hmm. But my parents were uh, academics. So they every six years, they got the opportunity to travel for a year. So I've always had a connection with leaving Greece, like even as a kid. The first time I was uh, four years old, uh, my parents came to Ottawa. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I left uh, home. Then we went to Oxford, England for a year when I was eight. And so like as a young kid, I was always, uh, I was acquainted to leaving Greece and like seeing other places. So mm-hmm. I got to travel a lot and we got to play a lot of music because my parents, uh, really enjoy music, although they didn't play a note and they still can't play anything. <laughs> but um, always enjoyed going to see music, like classical music and and especially classical, I think. But also other other types of um, like traditional music, and uh, they loved music. They wanted us to learn music, so we did the classical piano when I was mm. very young, when mm-hmm. I was four years old, and. Um, other than so, like music has always been a part of my life, but um, I don't know. I got a little unfocused. <laughs> yeah, but it's the the story of many world musicians, right? It's like you go do you have too many interests, so you start going on different tangents. But I didn't know you started with piano. But then, so like traveling around until you're twenty. But until you're twenty in uh, in Greece, did you were you studying any other instruments there? Like uh, how was that? Yeah, so I hated I hated playing piano. Because mm-hmm. I was, it was a very um, strict conservatory mm-hmm. in Greece. It was they used the the Russian method or what they called, mm-hmm. where they were extremely strict. We did two two lessons a week, and then we had a two hour theory lesson right after. And we did that from when we were like very young. And at that age, you don't even know why you're really doing things. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm very glad I did it now because now I play a lot of keyboards again oh, and stuff like that. Right. It's always been. Well, my whole life, it's turned out to be a very useful thing that I did. But uh-huh. at the time, I wasn't really enjoying myself, and it wasn't really doing anything for me. It was just another chore, like mm-hmm. another school thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was eight years old, um, I asked for an instrument called buzuki mm-hmm. from my from my parents, and then I started playing buzuki when I was eight. Mm-hmm. So that was my first. Traditional music is always around, right? When you're in the tradition, it's like always around. So you're always hearing it. You're always singing the songs. But I didn't play any traditional music until that time. And because I had all that background in classical music and ear training and education, mm-hmm. I picked it up really fast and I got really into it because mm-hmm. it wasn't, I guess it wasn't really what my parents wanted me to be playing. Right. So like you can practice your bazooki once you finish practicing your piano. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. It was like my video game, and it really, I really got obsessed. Like as an eight-year-old, I would practice like four or five hours a day. Oh wow! And then my parents got me a teacher, who was a great guy, uh, Spiros Vitalinos. At the time, I think he was like twenty-one or twenty-two, mm-hmm. and um, he was a very interesting guy to take lessons from because he was young. He was very passionate about playing the instrument. But also, he was married to a Bulgarian woman. 
mm-hmm. and that exposed him to all this Balkan music mm-hmm. from Bulgaria and from like Serbia. So even at that age, we would be playing, I would be studying with him and, and uh, he'd say, hey, I'm working on this uh, Balkan music stuff that I learned from my wife. Here's a tune. So even though I had traditional training in bouzouki from him and we did all the greeks all the greek music because he saw i had an interest in learning mm-hmm. he exposed me to all these other sounds of music sounds at the, and at the time i didn't i just thought it was a cool tune mm-hmm. that he showed and we would just learn and practice so i was exposed to all sorts of different music from a young age and then when i decided i wanted well i started hanging out with people and playing traditional music but then I had a bunch of friends who were into rock and roll. So mm. I picked up a guitar mm-hmm. and then we started jamming with friends on electric guitar. I still played, I still studied uh, bouzouki and piano up until I was 15, 16, mm-hmm. that age. I think my mom allowed me to quit piano when I was 16, so I did. Gladly. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay, now you can decide if you actually like this or not. And I oh. guess you don't. But um, <laughs> I still played bouzouki, but as soon as I play guitar, you know, you're hanging out with friends and you're jamming all night. And then we had the studio space at uh, in the meat market in Piraeus. We all, I think we paid like each like 40, 40 or 30 euros each. There was like uh, maybe eight of us oh, wow. that we would just hang out there, like friends that would, I mean, it was, uh, it was like a, just imagine a bunch of 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, they, like, mm-hmm. rent this place in the meat market, which shuts down at 8. Oh. So you can go after 8 p.m. and go in the building that's, like, falling apart. Because it's like, um, you know those James Bond movies or those movies where they go into the markets and they get lost? Mm-hmm. So that's what it was during the day. But at night, there's no one there. Oh, wow. Right? So you can go and you can play music until six in the morning, five in the morning, where they start coming back. Oh, wow. So you could go at 8 p.m. It would cost us, I think, 120 euros a month, the oh, room. Oh, wow. Of course, no one's using it, so why not, right? It's, uh, yeah, well, yeah. people were using it as studio spaces, actually. Like, they were, we weren't the only ones there. Oh, wow. Because there was these old buildings on the port. They were, um, they used to use them for, I guess, back in the day, their offices, like, um, like lawyers or like people that needed to get the papers done or like administration stuff for the port. Mm-hmm. Now the port got big and then the building got old and they left it and turned it into, you know, places with history. They have all sorts of rules, regulations, recycled yeah. spaces, you know, that mm-hmm. change and they become other stuff. And it's right by the train too. So the train there, like, I, I you when you come when you come I'll show you. Mm-hmm. Cool, and this is all in uh, in Greece, right? In Greece, in uh, in, Greece. in, uh, in Athens. In Athens, well, technically in Piraeus. I lived okay. in Athens, mm-hmm. but I had a little scooter. Mm-hmm. You could get in Greece at, at sixteen. You can get this little scooter, fifty oh. cc. Nice. <laughs> so I used to go everywhere with that thing. You can't imagine. Oh, okay. and um, it's just time. Time I had. You just go, me yeah. for hours. You can get anywhere you want. It's amazing. Uh, you, you don't have to walk, right? And um, so we'd go down there. My friends lived in Piraeus. Piraeus is like the port close to Athens. It's okay. really now it's like connected, like one big thing. But it's technically a different 
a different like, city. City. Uh huh. Cool. And so there, you were like playing more like rock and roll. You're saying like uh, I think it's so funny. Yeah. That, whatever. Yeah. Like even like just uh, hanging out. Like, yeah. Like in just this hanging age. out and making loud noises. You know. Yeah, that's great. And then I decided I, w I went to school for physics, mm -hmm. but I didn't like it. I would I ended up practicing guitar all day and not going basically. <laughs> And then I was like, uh, you know, I want to be, I want to play music. So I was like, I'm going to go to Canada. And the reason I came to Canada was because my mother moved here when she was very young. Hmm. Uh, when she was 13, her family moved here. And she grew up here from 13 to 30. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So well, I had uh, some uncles here. Fortunately, they've passed away. Hmm. I have an aunt left here. and. Um, that's why she's like, okay, if you're going to leave Athens, because I didn't want to stay in Athens, you go to Toronto, where I know it's a good place, you know, you have some family there. And you know, my, my, mom, my mom knew of Toronto, and she knew that, like, it's a city where you can come here and you'll be fine, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I came, I went to school for university here for, for guitar, mm -hmm. and did the whole thing, and... You know, so, but, but then did you like you study physics like I, I studied physics too like we talked about this before but then you went when you went to to Canada did you like bring some credits and finish with a different degree or how did how did how did you navigate that I started from beginning from beginning mm -hmm. they gave me half a course credit <laughs> cool. And, the, and, and at home you were basically like you speaking Greek or did you have like some uh, training in English specifically or because you have no accent so I have a bit of an accent uh, but at first when I first moved here it was hard actually and it's not just the language it's like people's mannerisms mm -hmm. people's humor mm -hmm. like I just didn't get it like I didn't like the social interactions are different mm -hmm. but it's different it's a different cultural context like people are the same but they react different to things and that was the biggest problem like mm -hmm. because they'll say something and you're like what the hell does that mean yeah. it's like a reference from something mm -hmm. or like something stupid that I don't know yeah. or and they like puns a lot, so sometimes you were like, I don't get it. Yeah, it's just in, uh, having done sort of the same thing. I just went to Canada when I was 30, not when I was 20. So I remember having all sorts of like the same impression. Like, because yeah, it's just a different thing. So sometimes you think you're being very clear in one way that you are speaking. And then they understand completely different because that's not how you would approach that idea on the language is just uh, it's just the way it was. And also, like the the humor back home in Greece, it's like dark. Mm -hmm. We have dark humor, and it has to do a lot of with like poking at other people, mm -hmm. like you're just messing with them. Where yeah. here, it's like that. That's almost considered rude. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, it's more goofy. The humor here is more goofy versus there. It's more like you're trying to get a reaction, yeah. sort of. Yeah, and I think at least that, a, yeah, in Brazil, it's sort of the same. Uh, sorry, I said at least the crew that I was hanging out with there, the, my friends there, mm -hmm. it's more like you know, and also like that when you're home, you have I have friends that I've had since I was you know a child. You're very comfortable with them, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, the comfort level is you don't even think you don't even realize how comfortable you are with these yeah. other humans, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, until you don't have them around. 
Yeah, and then so you study like guitar, but then um, I I know that you study like some jazz and some stuff like that. So there, like in in your pro, in, in guitar, you started like learning specifically jazz, or it was more of a, like a classical. So it was a jazz program. It was mm-hmm. a jazz, jazz undergrad, and then I, at York University, and then I did my masters at U of T mm-hmm. for jazz guitar, which was although I don't play, I play guitar obviously, mm-hmm. but not specifically jazz per se guitar it like everything that i do is kind of informed from the different kinds of schooling because when you go to like in jazz music they have a way of dissecting things and analyzing them same with classical and figuring out how to approach the learning Mm -hmm. of something something new or how to take a piece dissect it and learn from it that's basically the Mm -hmm. i think the the big thing that i got from playing Mm-hmm. I mean, jazz is beautiful too, but there's a lot of jazz musicians here. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing that I wanted to, to segue into because like you were in Toronto and I'm going to interview a lot of like our friends and uh, fellow colleagues that are in Toronto. And uh, I find that in Toronto, maybe there are other cities that are like that too, but there's literally people from everywhere. And especially, I guess in the last, what, maybe 10 years uh, with uh, there's slowly being a gathering of uh, People that are interested in both mixing cultures and actually exploring specifically, like, or you get someone that is from Afghanistan or from Pakistan, and then you go, or or a lot of Persian musicians there, so you can go and really see from the closest to the source that you can. There are people that are sort of like almost world-class at their level, and then you can learn all those things, not just someone that learned from uh, someone else, like second, third hand. Sometimes you can get really cool like tradition music traditional music and ex- uh, opportunities to play around with different things right so how did that start yeah. for you like um how uh, like going from guitar and i know we're going to show and talk about the other so instruments, for, for but... me i went to because i played traditional greek music before as a kid and i played buzuki and i had my buzuki with me always mm-hmm. and uh one from one of my trips when i went back to greece i bought an oud because i i saw the oud so this is probably like 2008, 2009 at this point. Mm-hmm. And I bought the oud, and then I started playing oud, and I came back, and then as soon as I started playing oud, there was a lot of demand for it for for gigs. Mm-hmm. And at first, I just played like one tune here and there, because I had these gigs where I would play mostly still in the world music scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would play mostly guitar, and then for a couple of tunes, I'd play oud, like something simple, like mm-hmm. a little melody, and people liked it. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I, I started getting into it. I was like, oh, this is really awesome. But I found like there was a, there was, it's, you know, it's a whole different style of playing and a whole, especially the oud, because although I played traditional Greek music, there I didn't go through formal like I had my lessons on buzuki where you just, you play the songs, you learn the instrument and it, it's not very formalized. A lot of, a lot of buzuki players, when I was learning it, my teacher could read, but they couldn't even read music. Yeah. So it was a very informal, like oral tradition. You learn the instrument, you play it. Now things have changed obviously, right? It's, too, mm-hmm. it's 2020. But um, at that time, so what, what I needed was some kind of structure to learn the oud better. So I found out about Bassam Bassam Bishara, mm-hmm. who's my teacher and your teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. And uh, I started taking lessons with him, and um, 
he was a great, he was very inspiring. He's an inspiring guy, you yeah. know, and he really treats his students like he's his disciples almost. Mm -hmm. So he gave me a lot of work and he, and I studied a lot for, for many, um, what was it? Three or four years. Almost. I went like weekly oh, wow. to his house and I studied with him. And then I, the more I worked, the more I worked. And then I played work, work, you know, and mm -hmm. then here we are. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So you, in terms of traditional music, started with the bouzouki and then went into the the oud. So I guess this would be a cool segue for us to show people, like uh, as I mentioned, like one of the things that I wanted to to do with this show is uh, uh, sometimes people see like us playing or like our friends or like other instruments, and then they ask me about or they actually try to tell me, oh, have you seen this instrument? I bet you haven't seen it. It's like, oh, sometimes I haven't, but. Having been in Toronto, you've seen all sorts of like uh, different instruments yeah. that you don't see. So uh, maybe we can show a little bit of the the wood for in case yeah. people haven't seen. So, uh, um, well, I have it right here. Awesome. Yeah. I realize I have. Yeah, I have my bouzouki too. I should also. Yeah, we'll do that too. Let's start with the wood. Uh, do you want to? Can you put your camera a tiny bit down so that it, can you just a tiny bit so that we can sort of like show around. Yes, that that's great. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So we should like just mention to people that unlike we're gonna show later with uh, like a bazooki and other instruments, like it's it's an instrument that doesn't have like with the guitar, it doesn't have frets, right? Yeah, it doesn't have frets. And the reason that so it allows you to to tune uh, different. Yeah, that's. You can hear that noise. Yeah, that's one of the things that like um, a lot of people that I try to show like music from different parts of the world. One of the main things that happen with, um, especially I guess with uh, like Turkish Arabic, possibly. Greek, but like it's that they have the scales that are not the traditional Western scales of major, minor. They're like tempered, like uh, from tempered instruments that were used, I think, to be able to transpose things from one uh, tune to the other. And uh, in these kinds of things that go back thousands of years, right? Uh, they they are able to do this in between notes, and then when, whenever you have an instrument like the oud or the violin, you can get to those sounds that's why it sounds so almost unfamiliar if you're not used to listening to that kind of music right yeah i think most of the times if you're not familiar with it you're not even going to notice it mm. it's more of a tuning thing it's more like instead of hearing that second step of the scale high you hear it a little bit lower and it has to do largely with the overtone series and the way it lays out and also the fact that in this style of music, there was no harmony. Right. So everything is based on the melodic structure. So when you're, when you're basing everything on, on, on the melodic structure, then of course you're going to start messing around with the tuning and see what happens. It's just a part of experimentation. You're like, why should I play that note at that pitch? Why can't mm -hmm. I play it a little bit lower? Right. And that's how you get all these different ways of getting through melody versus what you were talking about western music it's kind of they created this symmetrical um system that allows you to 
kind of travel inside the piece into different into different um, tonalities. That would be the easiest way to right. fastest and easiest way to explain it. Yeah, it's one of those things that is always uh, strange to get. Uh, like, especially people that are classically trained or they're just uh, like pop western music trained for them to get into the because they really can't do like harmonies right because it won't work and uh but you have this other ways of getting like one thing that i know you do like very well too is this idea of that you get the music from like you get one instrument starts pre doing something with the melody and then another instrument comes and comments on that thing or finish each other's sentences right like uh, that's how i i try to portray people it's like as if you like we finished the sentence at the same time that kind of a thing and one person introduces one thing to one thing to one um, idea to the other and then it, it grows which is what to me is the the main thing one thing about the oud uh, that if you can show like um the i know that besides it's like a plucking instrument right but i know that the, um, you can do a lot of like glissandos and people do like vibratos and they do about so, the oud? yeah on the oud like you can do a lot of like different sounding um let's say uh, treatments to the notes right i just wanted to show people well, a little uh, bit of that you're talking about ornamentation so yeah because a lot of a lot of the especially the ottoman classical music they would have a melody so let's say this is a famous mm -hmm. um tune goes first phrase so when you read it that's exactly what they have but you're not you're expected to do something else with it like so when you study this style of music the classical the middle eastern or arabic or auto classical ottoman blah 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 whatever mm -hmm. depending on uh, what government you want to pay tribute to <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it <laughs> It all it has to do with how you approach the note. Like, am I gonna play? Am I gonna play? I'm not gonna play. I'm gonna go. It also has to do where you're coming from, where you're going, what kind of sentiment, what kind of mood. What's your technical ability? Right. What can you pull off? Sometimes, like for example, we have a lot of open string. These open strings. This string is very important because you can do stuff like. And it's, it's really all about ornamentation because when you're playing in an ensemble, everybody's playing technically the same notes, but you actually might not be. You're kind of just following the same. It's like if you're going through, through to walk through a path, mm -hmm. like in a forest, there's the paths there. That's your music that you're reading. But like, do you have to be in the center of the path? Do you want to be on the on the side of the path? Do you want to walk off a little bit, go into the bush because you saw a nice flower, and then come back? Mm. It's like we all walk together through the path, and that's uh, that, that's a great way to say it. I really like it. It's very cool. Yeah, because and that's one of the things that I think I was talking to 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 my dad, and we were talking about like uh, like music that I grew up listening, like for example Pink Floyd, like, and then I, I don't know how many times I watched uh, Roger Waters play The Wall, which is one of the best shows ever, but I was oh it play they play exactly like it was in the recording, or exactly like it was supposed like it was done, including 
all the sen the like all the feelings and everything is at a specific uh, uh, part, and I think that's much less common in uh, like I guess in Arabic music Arabic as we're saying like whoever. one thing about Pink Floyd too is that when they came out with their crazy production basically yeah the criticism that they got was that they won't be able to play it live right oh I didn't know that huh. Yeah, yeah, part of the criticism was like, okay, you did this crazy shit, but are you going to be able to play this live? <laughs> I didn't know that. And then you're like, every day I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, change my mind about that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's definitely like a part of it, uh -huh. of them. just And also like Western music, right? Even rock and roll in many ways, although there's the jam more jammy vibes, obviously. Yeah. But most, like... Most contemporary shows, pop music or anything, is played exactly the way it's played every night. Yeah. And that comes from direct the fact that, you know, classical music. Mm -hmm. Like as much as you think you're not, I mean, it has influences, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But our way of thinking, you know, is the show, like a, like a show, make, make it tight, make it everything exactly the same. Everybody knows. Yeah. yeah Most people are used to listening to music like that. Not most, but a lot of people. Let's say a lot, not most. Yeah, and uh, it comes from that, huh. I think. Yeah, and that, that's 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 interesting. And uh, in a way, like even with like like Arabic music, I always or like music from different places. I usually prefer to see like okay, I know this tune, I've heard it, I don't know how many times, but I want to see how you do it, right? And uh, what's your influence? And not only your influence, but your influence that day, right? Because I don't know, like had a yeah. few more beers or crazy venue or whatever you're going to feel in one way. Or if you're like this tight group that can really like sink, you know, you have a new musician that comes in and everybody's like, let's uh, get you like up to speed and let's get each other's back and try to, to play around. So I think that's, in a way, it's probably very related to, to jazz in a way, like that uh, people like to improvise and like to explore different things. But I find that in, uh, let's say, quote-unquote world music there is this thing of or specifically like arabic uh, turkish uh music you have this thing that you really want to like showcase your it's sort of like there is a lot of um, virtuoso talent to it but it's at the same time i want to see your emotion i want to see what uh what you bring to the I table think, i think it's i think it's in all it's in all styles of music mm -hmm. i think that that the the putting yourself in the music Oh, for sure. Yeah. The Arabic, Arabic and Middle Eastern classical music, even Greek music, um, that is, it, it becomes a big part of what you do because that's how the music is laid out. It's like if you just play the notes on the page, what are you, there's no point. Mm -hmm. Like uh, that's what your teachers tell you. The teachers tell you don't just play the the notes on the page. It's not the whole thing. So there's a whole school of thought through that. But it's important to understand that. Like, but even in classical music. Right, mm -hmm. the way they approach the piece, each musician still pours themselves. Oh, of course, in yeah. it. Yeah, but it's it's on a different. It's a different. Um, I guess it's a different aesthetic that people are are listening for. Oh, for sure, for yeah. Example, versus, yeah. did you capture what they thought the composer was, or did you, how much of yourself? How did you? It's in a way, it's funny because they are, you know, it's like culture, right? In the end, we're all the same, but like kind of different mm -hmm. yeah so and i've had the opportunity to study all the different styles a lot of different styles of music 
mm-hmm. and how they and a lot of them approach learning for sure very differently. <laughs> they approach performance differently, but in the in the end, you know, it's got to sound good. Right. Yeah, and uh, like, so let's get into that a little bit. So like, you started learning the oud, and then you started playing a lot of it, and then uh, you started getting into percussion, other instruments, and all that. Maybe we can show, just to contrast with the oud, your, like, uh, if you have it laying around, your bazooki, so you can showcase. So this, Mm -hmm. this is my bazooki that I had since I was 10. Oh, cool. (laughs) When I was eight, my dad bought me a very cheap one. Uh Uh-huh. And then when I got a little bit older, and mm-hmm. I was 10, <laughs> saved all my pocket money. Right. <laughs> Actually, I used, I used to do these choirs, these choir gigs. And um, so because I went to this classical conservatory thing, they taught us how to, re- how to read and sing notes. Right. So what I ended up doing is my teacher, he made this group of four kids. It was me and other three kids. And we would do these uh, choir so if you needed a children's choir for your song or if you needed a children's choir for ads and stuff like that mm-hmm. we would go in because they were working with kids the guys would book the studio all day right because they're like we have literally eight-year-olds singing seven-year-olds so we need to give them time to get the but we'd go there we were like like at eight years old you've been taking no like lessons for like four years so you could like side read so they would like literally just throw the chart at us and then we would just nail the part in half an hour oh wow and then the kid the studio would get paid all day and stuff so they loved us so i made a bunch of money as a as an eight-year-old singing singing ads (laughs) oh that's awesome (laughs) we should dig that up Yeah, uh, it's the um, so just to compare, like this, of course, has the frets. So just like uh, like the guitar. Frets. So this one. So in Greek music, we we um, in the rabbinical music, mm-hmm. play bazooki, we don't play commas. What we call the intervals in between. Mm-hmm. I just like, I know you know it, but I'm just yeah, no, no, you have the, that's the idea is to get people to. I will probably learn some stuff, but the idea is to share like uh, all these instruments and all those things like in conversations that people can uh, learn. But uh, yeah. so around the forties, thirties, thirties, forties, and fifties, there was a huge uh, movement from the government to mm-hmm. detach the culture from the Turkish culture. Mm-hmm. Right. So they literally legislated. They would go and if something sounded too Turkish, they wouldn't let it be released. Mm-hmm. So there was consistent. There was a consistent tendency towards moving uh, towards a tempered scale and what the the Western yep. classical. So there's traditionally there's um, music. Traditional music was considered of less importance and of less. Um, uh, what do you? What's the word? I'm looking gravitas. For? It's like a, yeah, it's like a lower class kind of a thing. Like oh, you have yeah, this high lower. high culture, and this is uh, low culture yeah. that we don't. And when talk it about. started, bazooki especially, 
it actually I don't know if you want to call it lower class, but definitely music of the poor people. Poor people, yeah, yeah, with yeah. popular. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, so this this is what you get. If you see this instrument, actually, I was like, mm -hmm. it has. I don't know if you can see. There's like two marks right here. Let's see. Uh huh. Yes. These are for my first dog. I had them <laughs> sitting there, and he went on there. He's like. <laughs> 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 and it will be there forever. That's so funny. It will be there forever. The dog's not there. Yeah. The... Maybe I should play a little bit the different what different vibes. Yeah, for sure. Maybe like. Um... Mm -hmm. Very famous song. Uh, versus, mm -hmm. you hear the oud. Would be something more like. It's a different sound, obviously. Yeah. But you can see how they're kind of the same family, and related. And this instrument, the, the oud in Greece, you'd find it on the islands and old Rebetiko like Svirneko, called mm -hmm. the old school, which um, people like Rosa Eskenazi and and uh, Tudas, who's a very famous composer that wrote music, uh, early Svirneko, we call it music, mm -hmm. and. Um, there's many, 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 many singers and from that era, especially from the migration from Asian Minor that brought a lot of music. Uh huh. There. Yeah, yeah. So there is a lot of uh, like, especially uh, I, I know that there are like you're talking a little bit about this idea of like, and I didn't know this about the bouzouki. Very interesting because there is equivalent things that happened in Ukraine with which is where I am at right now. But like even that they when the Soviet Union started, they actually changed. The bandura, the the people that the thing that people play bandura today is the Soviet version, which was the same thing, which is to make the all the scales be more of the like Western style and to be like everybody will play like uh, the same. And if you get the the there are in museums here, and I assure it's the same for bazookis that they sound very different. They even have sometimes a little bit more of a options of sounds that you can do with the uh, the older styles so it's interesting to see i didn't know this about the the bouzouki and the one thing that i wanted to know like about that like so there's a lot of music that and we played this before together but it's interesting like some to some tunes they especially the older ones they you have it in Turkey, you have it in Greece, you have sometimes in Bulgaria or other places. You have, uh, like in the Arabic world, they have their version. So um, can you talk a little bit about how, like, especially because you probably have even more knowledge of this in the, in the Greek uh, part of this, like uh, these tunes that appear sometimes even translated, like the melody is the same, but they have versions 
in different yeah. cultures? So the problem with all these kind of conversations is politics. Right. So the thing is, in, in reality, music doesn't care about politics or borders or anything of that nature. And yeah. at the time when a lot of the music, uh, before, before the First World, World War, really, in the mm -hmm. area, in Greece, populations were way, way more mixed than people like to admit. Right. Like, even now, I would say, but mm -hmm. like we're... But there is this uh, myth of purity. Like a big Greek yeah. population, there was a big Armenian population, there's a, um, you know, Turkish population, right. obviously. Mm -hmm. you know, but there's also like people from like Syria and right. Lebanon, obviously everywhere, that whole area of, I guess, what used to be Ottoman Empire, but not, but not only, not only just because it's just chronologically and historically, there's right. people from around the world that live there. So of course, if they hear a catchy tune, they're gonna put, you know, they're the tunes. They're they're collective tunes, really. right? Yes. Just because there's a different, the same way you would sing it in a different language would be like I play it on oud, and then I play it on bazooki, or I play it on zura, or I play. It's like the words are just like another instrument that you choose to play the tune in, and you put your own words and whatever. Yeah. People want to have a good time. A good tune is a good tune. You put so you slap some of yourself in it every time you play a tune you put some of yourself in it and if you're speaking greek that's going to be in greek and if you're speaking turkish that's going to be in turkish and if you're speaking sephardic like yeah. uh, sephardin or mm -hmm. uh, ladino ladino i should ladino. say yeah. then it's going to be probably in some kind of weird spanish right yeah but uh yeah it's that's it. just that's just music yeah. yeah that's the way it is you know yeah and happy I think... birthday like how many how many different <laughs> How many different languages do you have this happy birthday? All the Greeks, we have a different happy birthday. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Like, same melody, all these different words. Who wrote happy birthday? I don't hmm. know. Well, actually, you know what? The funny thing about happy birthday is that someone supposedly holds the copyright to the melody. So sometimes when you play it live, they will try to claim it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah? That's that's one of the things that is kind of interesting too. Like uh, just to uh, before we get into like other instruments, but because I know that for you, you have the, the cool thing about this three combination of three things that musicians do, and I think it's interesting for people to to know, uh, especially for let's say someone looks at the oud or to the bouzouki or whatever. It's like oh, that's so rad. Let me like check it out. There is like, as you were talking about, ways of learning, right? And I remember like when I'm learning, when I was learning drummer with a master drummer, like in Toronto with like uh, Suleiman, it was like really strict trying to really get you to, to play and put you in like very, let's say, uh, trial by fire uh, places, which is like, okay, you learn, you can do backup go on stage and we'll learn the, the tune as you play and the reality if you make a mistake that stuff and then you have other ways of teaching and i know that for you you have like you can read music you do like uh, you have that advantage so you can read and write and all that and have a good ear but you can improvise too and one thing that i've noticed with a lot of musicians if they sort of like if they learned like Arabic or Turkish style that they sometimes don't even they don't know how to read, but they can really improvise and feel and hear and they do a lot of stuff. But then you can't read, and some people that read they feel terrified about uh, improvising and or they sometimes don't know how to do it or they think it has to be perfect. Can you talk a little bit about that from your experience? 
Yeah. Well, from my, from my experience, what when, what ends up happening is this: people commit a lot of time and years to learn an instrument. Let's say you learn oud. Okay. Mm-hmm. That took many, many hours and many times. And you learn how to play Arabic music, and you know your Arabic tunes, and you know how to play them. And now you meet someone else, and they're like, "Hey." I'm, I play completely different. I play jazz, and we need to improvise in this different tonalities where you don't play. Well, the thing about that is you're always so used to and so comfortable doing the stuff that you know that when you try to do something new, obviously you're not going to be able to do it perfectly right away. you got to commit the time and mm-hmm. learn and push and come and meet them halfway. And I've, I've started, you know, I've started many instruments from zero, like, even mm-hmm. like as a whatever. I'm like, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I know that it takes time. Every time you start something new, anything new from zero is going to take time. So if you spend your whole life reading classical music and playing it really well, the amount of commitment and the hours that you put in it, and you can do that really well, it, it, um, you have to, it, it's a little bit of, a little bit of it's the ego. You mm-hmm. got to bring down your ego and become a student again. Mm-hmm. You should always, I mean, it's a cliche, but you should try it. You should try to be learning new things, right? Mm-hmm. Put yourself out there, expose yourself. And then once you start improvising, of course, at first it's going to, it's going to be whatever. It's going to be yeah. what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because you think you're a good improviser now, doesn't mean, you are. doesn't mean anything. Yes. Because mm-hmm. what does that even mean? What is good improvise? What does that like, you know, so I think it has to do with com- comfort zone, people's comfort zones and feeling mm. like, you know, it's okay to suck a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. You are the only person that cares if you don't sound good. So mm-hmm. um, everybody else, I mean, you might not capture them with your amazing sound, but when you play music, they're not going to yell at you or throw stuff at you. And maybe next time it will be better, you know, and that's how you, and that's, I think that's the biggest problem. Now, if you don't have the time or the will to commit to it, then, you know, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a very, very cool way to, to put it. And the other thing, like, because I said it was like three parts. So there's like, like being able to do, like read and do that kind of stuff, then improvise and compose. Because I know that you write music too. So can you tell a little bit about your experience of like uh, writing music? Because you have some tunes like... Um, uh, like for example, there, there is one tune that I even recorded a video that uh, spring, like Primavera, that you did with uh, with Tamar, and I know that there is a lot of stuff that you did. So I, I know I really like the the melody on that tune, and uh, like how was your experience with um, with composing music too? So, um, and this is I've I've been through different stages of this because it's it's a different thing. Um, what I've what I've come to realize myself, or for for me, is that the biggest thing about creating new art is your approach to the methodology. Hmm. For example, what what do I mean by that? Um, where where are you getting your material from? Where's your input coming from? Like, what's your what's your what what's your vehicle for for creation? So for that tune, actually, I wrote it on Lira. Mm-hmm. And what I was trying to do was I was trying to do this exercise for the bow that mm. I was trying to work. 
And then I created this melody where I could have this open string. So I could hear the tuning and I could play this. And then as I played this melody, I created this melody, this melody form. And I was like, okay, now that I have a question, the first melody for me is kind of the question. What's the answer to it? And, and it kind of like for there, you, if you just let it and you listen to what your, your head is telling you, it kind of stru it structures itself and it creates. And that's how I wrote that specific tune that you mentioned. Mm. But there's like all different ways in approaching composition, especially nowadays with uh, electronic music, but not mm. only. Like another way would be to take a form, like a, like a normal song. Say I want to write, I want to write a, a song in, in a Samai song. Like mm -hmm. Samai is a classical Arabic form for people that don't know. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gives you a template already. And then you start filling in the gaps and then it creates, and that creates a different kind of song, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, other, so creation, it can be all sorts of things that you can derive inspiration from wherever you want. The one thing, if anybody wants any advice, I want to, they want to hear me say something about yes. it is mm -hmm. don't try to write a good tune. Huh? Just try to write a tune. Just write, just write a tune. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If it's not good, you don't have to play it. Mm -hmm. You know, and then write another one and then write another one and then write another one. Mm -hmm. Just and then, and then when you find something and you think you like it, rework it a little bit. You're like, okay, maybe, maybe this is okay the way it is, but what if I also add this or what if I take that away? Like, you know, play it with friends, see how it works. Like try it out. I mean, that's just simple, mm -hmm. simple. You know? mm -hmm. yeah, if, you, if you're looking to start to write new things and you don't know how to start, think of it like you have to, you know, just by in an hour, I need to have, I need to play something for this, whatever. Mm -hmm. I need like two minutes of material. It mm -hmm. doesn't have to be good. I just need two minutes of material. Mm -hmm. And then you work it. You, you, it gets you off your, because we put our, our composers we like, we put them in such high regard because they are, most of them, they, if, you're, if you're playing a lot of times music for me that's 200 years old, mm -hmm. guess what? It was a very good piece. Right. You know? Yes, you're comparing you yourself with the survive the test of time, right? Yeah, like you're not going to write something that's going to survive 200. Maybe you will. Yeah. I'm not going to write something. I, at least I can't go in the state of mind that I'm going to write something that's going to survive 200 years. No way. I just need something. I just I just need a tune. Like, yeah, yeah. play. Get the gig going. Get the, get the, get the juices flowing. Mm -hmm. Create something. And probably the thing that you're going to create after it's going to be better or maybe not, you know, the mm -hmm. more you work stuff, it's going to be different, I would say. Yeah. And then it's more like of a personal journey. maybe. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's a great advice. And I think it's cool. Like when people are, especially I think people that have already done this uh, training and played all this like amazing music, sometimes you're so intimidated exactly from what you said. And I think that's a good antidote to that. Cool. So one thing we can do now, since you mentioned the, the Lyra, is to do continue our little journey and show the, the Lyra. So this is the... Bon, that, that's the Cretan. Cretan mm -hmm. Lyra. I'll play you that tune. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
that's not, it's not very it's not, it's not very traditional but um and uh, this is a very popular instrument even now in crete which is mm -hmm. an island south of greece mm -hmm. it's kind of uh, a normal ensemble would be a lira and two lauta Lauto is like an oud, but something between an oud and an uzuki. That's a very that's um a, a known tune. Mm -hmm. uh, and they they have these melodies. I mean, we could get into all sorts of because yeah. Crete has a very specific sound to it. Um, the lira is a big part of it now, but it's also violin is very popular right. in, the, in the same format. And um, they have all they have diff, it's it's um, it's a social it's social music, mm -hmm. so it's music for social gatherings mostly. It has obviously developed, and they do very beautiful things now, and very formal things. But um, traditionally, it's tunes. People would show up for weddings and social gatherings. They would play. There's a big improvised dance improvised words called madinades mm. and they sing them and uh, it really captures the soul of the of the of the island and the culture and they really support their music and they and they love it and there's some beautiful music coming from that island mm. and singing that's a, that's amazing and the, to get like a, just to show a little bit more of the 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 instrument so it has like it's three strings right so it's three strings yeah. here i'll bring it close uh -huh. so the thing about it is I don't know if you can see yeah. that the strings yeah, yeah, we here can are see it. pretty high. So what happens is you play with your nail. You touch the yes. string with your nail, and that's how you get the different words, mm -hmm. the so, different notes. Yeah, for people to know. Yeah. yeah so instead of like mo like other uh, like uh, like with the violin even that you or the oud that you press the string, you're using your like your nail. To, yeah. to to close that gap and basically create that uh, that note exactly and you get that sound that kind of uh... yeah oh wow that's cool yeah it's so interesting how probably like uh, if you're gonna see the I don't know the genealogy of these instruments they probably come from those sort of like something like a rababa or they probably uh, sorry i should rephrase this they probably have a common ancestor right that people brought to different places and then in different places started like changing and uh, doing different ways because even one thing like it's just a, to me it's so transparent but it's interesting to show that violin is something that you play like this right whereas this one you play actually vertically on on your lap and you can probably even yeah. walk around with it i assume i don't know if this one uh, and not, not really, really mm -hmm. but you can. They put their feet. Up. You have to put your foot up because you have to bring it up a bit. Oh, I see. Hard. But um, look, it's the same thing. People, people, people like to own things, but you don't own anything. Yeah. Right. What, what is this? This is this is. I can see this. This used to be a stick, obviously, mm -hmm. with strings on. And mm -hmm. they found they found you could pluck them. They found you could <laughs> bow them. Right. Right. Someone's like, oh. I put the strings, but it was very quiet. So, and then they put a speaker. Mm -hmm. And sure, you get the rabob if you want to call it. But yeah. I'm sure a lot of people figured out that if you put a string on a stick and you bow it, it makes a sound. You right. want to call that lira, you want to call it whatever you want to call it. 
It's like the same as drums. Yeah. I mean, every, they have a little bit of a different way and style of looking at things. But there's there's instruments like this where you play with your nail. Mm-hmm. Like in Poland, right? Right. Yeah. And Eastern Europe. They have instruments like this, exactly. So it's not like it's a it's a global. It's yeah. A, people found out that if you bow strings, they make sound. Yeah. And they made all sorts of different variations and some of these instruments got very popular i think this specific one the lira Mm -hmm. this is just my opinion Mm -hmm. got popular because it's easy to make and the tops that they use here actually they use discarded roofs from Uh old houses back in the day which is being perfect wood because it was very slow growing cedar from lebanon Mm -hmm. which is very like it now it's kind of sought out for these instruments mm-hmm. but it was like if you you dig out a part a back you slap the top on it and then you put like the construction of it is very simple it's durable like it won't break mm-hmm. like the violin in itself is a very f- finicky yeah not finicky but the uh, instrument fragile. itself is yeah. complex mm-hmm. it's a complex instrument put together right this I mean, you could make them well or not, but you could make a shitty one relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Where, like, if you want to make a shitty violin, like, I challenge anyone to make a shitty violin easily, you know? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so people got what they played, and then you they played it, and then you hear it, and you're like, I need it to be loud and bright so that when I play the wedding, they can hear me mm-hmm. while they're shooting their guns, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's how it ended up. It's loud. You know, they bow it, they learn, you can play a melody, boom, boom, boom. It doesn't cost as much as a violin. Right. So interesting. You're good. You know, and then it catches on. And then it's like like, like electric guitar. Right. And that's one of the things that I find so interesting about this, like, especially the string instruments from different places. And I think you're going to show us, like, something else later. But it's like they, because of the material, like, if you're going to use this, uh, like, uh, uh, like um, um, wood from specific kinds of places, or if it has a specific shape, it's the way that you would modulate the sound to make not modulate to do the the tim- I guess is the timber that you would call like the the kind of quality of the sound. It's sort of like your the way you would do a pedal, like today with like with electric things, you can get the clear sound of the string, and then you can create all sorts of uh, variations. Yeah. yeah, and then with this thing, it's sort of like built into the fab, the actual like natural like um, like it's skin. like evolution, right? Evolution is the you come and you it's like thumbs, like we got thumb, but who was the first one to get a thumb? You know, it's right. the same thing. It's like who takes credit for this stuff. Right. It's like people are very, very obsessed with credit. And right. like, I can tell you for sure, I did not come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, 100%. Yep. That's, uh, people add little things, but you know, we have to, people always want to find their origin and general. And it's, it's the, I think as we can find with this crazy virus too. Right. Now, it's like, we're all kind of, we can see how connected we all are. It's like where I'm dealing with the same problem that you're dealing with in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's a, that's a good point. Like, uh, it's uh, uh, it's one of those things that you just realize. Sometimes you think your influence 
is uh, so localized that you make no difference in the world. But you can imagine like the first person that there is even the story of like, not to get much into that things, but it's, I think it's important to segue a little bit into that. But like there was one person in Korea, it's, I think it's patient 31 or something like that because they were tracking everybody. And then this person decided to just go around and go to a buffet and go to this and then it spiked. And I think like the cool, as you mentioned, like this analogy of like, oh, where it just things travel like music travel and how to make instruments and i think it's a good point about this uh, uh, the obsession with uh, taking credit and saying this is ours like uh, this is my music and we are the best and all this unfortunately it's sort of like when people don't get it but i think one of the things that happens a lot especially when you start getting which is my goal with this uh, like idea of talking to the musicians and getting their experience is that you start seeing, as you said, like a lot of the music, so we're all making music with our own like accents and the influences and all those things. But when we learn things from other people, it's sort of like this virus that catches, right? But in this case, it's a good one. And uh, is there any music? Because I know that you started like like Greek and then like some Western traditional and then you get into Arabic and all those things. And I know you did a lot of like Sephardic and uh, a lot of uh, flamenco tunes too with Ventanas and other groups. And um, and you are one of those musicians that play with 1,400 bands. So you have that advantage of people really seeking out your knowledge. And at the same time, you get a lot from them. And then you bring this, uh, I call this the... Uh, the demivirus, Demetrius virus, a very good one to have. <laughs> no, but really, like, uh, is there like, so, like the Balkan stuff that you're exploring? And I know that with um, um, one of your bands with uh, Near East, you have even now influence from Indian music, right? Like we have yeah, a Ravi that plays I mean, I haven't had, actually, I guess now is the time I could. Huh. And like, go in, into it and, I I played with uh, Ravi Nampali, who's a tabla player and knows classical North Indian music very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, and also Ernie Tolar, who has studied a lot of classical mm-hmm. Indian music. I didn't study classical music, but I I guess what I can get from osmosis from them. It's mm-hmm. like there's a diff- there's this, there's close language to the Middle Eastern thing, but they hear things a little bit different, right. and the way they structure their the idea of the composition the composition being um, more of a, an expression of a, of a state of mind. That's right. what it is. So when they like, it's like highly improvised, but also not it's very in a very specific framework that describes a mood or a rug or, you know, that's, and the, I shouldn't be talking about this. Because I'm no, not. but it's like, but, but my, my point is like, if people want to get, like very, very specific uh, information about specific things they can always get. It's sort of like that's one of the things that you are exploring now, right? As far as yeah. I know, well, like now, even actually, if, as much as you can, like uh, play a little bit so you get a little bit of that sound in your now in your Nowadays, music. I've been exploring a lot of modern electronic music, mm-hmm. um, which is it's an amazing thing because you can create music by an abstract thought can turn into music, right. which is unbelievable but also i've been playing with a lot of groups from like north africa like uh from like algerian music oh it's great Mm -hmm. but also i've been playing with ahmed uh, moneka who is from iraq but he's of kenyan descent i Mm. guess 
Grunberg. So he has all these tunes that are in the Gulf from like that are a mixture of Afro Arabic, mm-hmm. like very based on dance and beat. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I've been into these days, like uh, the last uh, few years, a couple of years. I've been getting more into, you know, whatever opens when someone is going to open a door for me and say, hey, you want to come in here and see what's happening here? Mm-hmm. I, I'm i going to go check oh. it out. Yeah, and then life, like, and the, your career will tends to take you places that you did not expect or didn't even imagine were there, which is one of the amazing things of being a musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially so. in, the, I guess, in the context of uh, Toronto that has all these interesting like influences. Uh, in a way, it's kind of like you're, sort of like a bit separated geographically from other places you really like if you want to go you have to really take a plane and go and all those things but at the same time you have all those people that are congregated in one city and you basically go in some jams and you have people with like you know 10 nationalities and well look at kune you know the band kune that i played right yes right they literally put a put together a group 11 people from around the world right right Everybody's from a different country, landed immigrants here, and we're playing together and it's a Royal Conservatory group. That's kind of what Toronto is turning into because there's so many people from, and if you were not, uh, if you were born here, a lot of times your parents were not. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is the idea of, and that's what I wanted to say. It's not, Toronto is not that, it's not just that there's all these people playing music that come from around the world that create this. There's also an audience that's been created that's a mix of people. So when you, yes, of course, you go to these concerts where you're kind of like a little bit of a museum piece, mm-hmm. you know, where it's yeah. like, this is the oud and this is how you play the oud and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I've never seen an oud. That's really cool sounding. Cool. You know, but yeah. also you start getting audiences being like, oh, that's an oud. I know what an oud is. That's that's awesome. Why is it? Oh, so they're hanging out with a sitar player. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'd never seen the sitar before, but I know what the oud is. Mm-hmm. But the guy next to me doesn't know what the oud is, but knows what the sitar is, you know, or the girl or whatever. Gender, right. Either yeah. Girl. yeah. Um, you know, so that's yeah. like the people are starting because without the audience, you don't have. So there's there's an audience for it now, and there's the music for it and the demand for it, and we're just gonna develop and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I think I, with this whole Corona thing, people staying at home and practicing, because that's hmm. gonna be the natural tendency of a musician. Right. There's gonna be all sorts of crazy music this summer. Uh huh. That's a that's a good point. That's cool. Yeah, and that's how I want to get people in their pajamas and uh, like chat and uh, have a little bit of a little journey with uh, their thoughts and music. So that's really cool. So you were going to show me just to finish off because we're getting like to about like an hour, but I can talk about this the whole, like for a long time. And again, thank you so much for uh, joining me I'm in this international hang. Huh? I'm assuming you're going to edit some of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to take out you walking around and all this. Yeah. You're a performatic <laughs> dance you did in the middle. You will hear my ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are no ramblings. It's really cool. It's good. Uh, but I wanted you to see, the, I wanted to see, you're going to show me another instrument, one I think that I don't oh. know. So this is the Juras. So I've been playing a lot of bouzouki lately. 
mm-hmm. because I've been playing other things and it's um, too predictable. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but that, that's unpredictable. I didn't even know this one. Hmm? So this is Juras. So in the Buzuki family, you have the Buzuki that you saw. Yes. This is the middle size Juras. Okay. It's like a Buzuki. Before they made the bouzouki the way it is now, it was like this. It had three three series of strings. And oh. a lot of the music was more like... Like a little less virtuosic, a little more like... guy singing that eh, smoked a little too many cigarettes you know? <laughs> is this uh yeah. this like, is a more older i guess like a, it's not actually it's a newer instrument but, but it's a older style style yeah it actually which reminds is coming me... back too huh in Greece. that's like very old style kind of because the youth is starting to look into well before this crazy crisis here we had another crisis an economic crisis Mm-hmm. Where people in Greece felt like the Western system failed them, right? Culturally, uh, spiritually, in a way. Mm-hmm. Though we have our own thing going on, and uh, they start people started turning back into their tradition, their roots, their Middle Easternness, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. This thing that the government was trying to hide, basically, and from them. Mm-hmm. Now they're starting to discover on their own. Oh. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I knew about the problem in, in Greece, but I didn't know how it influenced music in uh, such well, a profound way. There's a lot of people. All of a sudden, being a musician is not that bad. Right. At least you're making fifty euros. Right. Right. So, yeah. and it's sort of like probably what's happening now. Even like uh, that, people. I see one of the things that I thought was so cool is like some people that were actually very shy to be more entrepreneurial and put out their like stuff out they including myself even to that sense uh like okay let's uh let's make things happen because we sort of have to to like eat yeah right? man i've never i i've i've been live streaming and i've never live streamed before in my life right figure do it yeah yeah it's and that's that's another thing to to we'll go back to to like one other thing i wanted to ask you about this instrument but there's another thing to mention is that you're doing this uh, electronic music and uh, these things and it's good that you can do it at home because your wife is a musician as well right yes it's very good it's it's great it's also an outlet for us because uh you know you play music for an hour or two and then you feel great you know no Mm -hmm. matter yeah, no. a, it's a whole different conversation mm-hmm. about the med- meditative state of being and when you're actually playing music but, and but, the benefits that it can have. Yeah, how the, the, let's go there a little bit, like, uh, if you don't mind, like, uh, because I know that you're a very, like, thoughtful guy and you're always, like, you take your practice, like, seriously, but you also really enjoy creating music. And I even seen, like, from the corner of my eye when we were playing, like, if you see someone really going somewhere or taking us somewhere, I even see that, like, smirk, oh, okay, we're going somewhere. So you appreciate that uh, thing. So can you tell a little bit about this meditative or, like, let's say, I could do this. It's just uh, not necessarily sometimes meditative, but sometimes even... 
a different level of uh, thinking. I, I can't explain without being woo, but like, well, how do you feel like uh, with this? Like, how does it take your mind? So there's two different things with music. One is with, like when you're practicing. Practicing music is like a repetitive task. And it's not just music. I think you probably get it with anything, maybe like working out mm -hmm. or whatever. How would we but, know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we know now but for sure i know i know <laughs> so what you do in this idea that um you focus your mind on a task for a very long time a uh, long very long time i find myself when i do something like that if i do it for over half hour you know just one thing it's actually i would say an hour but let's mm -hmm. do it for the for the um, novices. If you haven't done this before, mm -hmm. just practice one thing, one piece, again and again and again and again and again for one hour. Your 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 head goes in and you start focusing, and then your mind spreads because mm -hmm. you start. But then you bring it back, and it's a it's um it's an exercise in awareness. And then the, yeah. the, the, and then the time the point comes where you actually are in the piece you know you're in the piece especially when you do classical music for this for me it's like mm -hmm. you're practicing something like that and your brain is focused but you don't need to bring it in you know mm -hmm. and that to me when you come out of that med out of that practice yeah. mm -hmm. it it just it's like meditation Rest. i guess yes for I sure it is tried, yeah. but i assume it's a similar experience yeah but then when you're performing and playing with other with other people because you're not most of the times I'm not at least using verbal communication. So you're communicating in sound and you're focusing your conversation. It's an abstract conversation that you're having. So mm -hmm. it's not like, hey, you whatever. It's more like sound and sound and, and bring it together. And then when you're and then when it's working. Mm -hmm. there's it's a, like you get you feel like this ele elevated feeling you know it's um mm -hmm. you know when the music like you, you know when you're at a party and the and the beats hits you just the right way or yeah it's concert and then someone plays something and you're like oh, you know yeah it's, it has to do and for me it's all about like i said it's like focus and attention and taking the things in and like really listening to it it's like a like a conversation right mm -hmm. you actually listen to what your mom was saying bro <laughs> i've saved yourself a lot of pain mm -hmm. when you weren't focused yeah. you know <laughs> 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 yeah, but that's uh, that's the it's like listening to music and you let it. Sorry, this is a bad example, but if you mm. listen to music and you let it do what it's doing and you focus, and then you can get so much from it, and then your brain kind of thanks you by giving you happiness and calm. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point, and that's exact. That's uh, that's exactly it. Like, and especially if you let the music change you in a way, like it's like let you take places, and uh, that's one of those things that as you're talking about the. Um, uh, audience that is being built about, around these things. One of the things that I don't know if you have this experience in Greece, I certainly have in Brazil, with my friends that are more used to like listening to, let's say, Brazilian. In Brazil, it's basically Brazilian music and American music, right? And then uh, here in Ukraine, it's basically American music and they do some 
pop Russian Ukrainian and all because of the problems with Russian Ukraine there is some more going into like traditions of Ukraine people speaking Ukraine and all, and all that stuff and sometimes they have here they actually like music from Georgia a lot like uh, for for some reason they really love the food and they love the 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 music there too so there is a little bit more of fusion but i always find that like music but then in brazil whenever people say oh so like send me some tunes like from this place or that place because they're just listening because it's i don't know pedro suggested right uh, they don't have that context that sometimes we have that is are you going to this specific party and then there is this person playing here or you go to like drum taberna that exists in uh, in toronto and other places you have the context in which you learn the in which you are exposed to the music makes a, a difference i think and i think knowing the musicians also makes a, a difference that the people that are doing this exploring these traditions they are uh, i don't know travelers as the audience and when you get together is such a that's why i got this segue from the meditation aspect because whenever you're in a context of getting all these instruments and all these interesting people like doing uh you go from a very like mellow piece to this language you've never heard of to i think it just changes the, the environment and i'm trying to think of how to do those things um on a virtual world as well to have those experiences i think those live experience those live shows they probably will bring something to the table right yeah but also the thing about live when you're there in person which we can't be now is the human energy and yeah. the fact that the artist kind of helps you come like become part of the thing right and feeling like it. a good front a good front person will will show you will like uh, but also like so when i go when you go see a music when you go see music and there's people there you can see you can you can see in the artists and they they will guide you through the process too that's a big part and the energy and also right. the energy you give them and they will throw that back out you too the whole idea of a live you know live performance is a whole different yeah yeah it's kind of like church it is for sure yeah, it's uh, yeah. Some, certainly a search of the transcendent, for sure. And if, yeah. and if you look at it like uh, the way I looked at church when I was a kid, you're not going to get much from it. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you Actually, that's a good point, because I think we're both very, like, probably very, like, skeptical. We're both spiritual and skeptical at the same time. Like, but how do you feel like, because one of the things that happened to me, at least coming, like, here and seeing, like... Um, the orthodox church like the russian orthodox which came from the greek so you i see a lot of art and then i say oh this is so much like in greek style but then they made their own with the, even the like the cyrillic alphabet which was literally invented and whenever i go to those places i always think and in toronto we had this opportunity to play at churches sometimes right but you have like this feeling that like Oh, I get what people were like getting at certain points in history. That beautiful music. Yeah. And, well, the uh, thing about church, church in Greece and the Orthodox Church, mm -hmm. which I'm not the biggest fan of, of course, is that at some point it it served the um, it served the purpose of what church, uh, what I think church should be, mm -hmm. should be a commu community, right? Bringing together the community. And I mean that's that's my opinion. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But that's like the that's the biggest 
reason for church for me. It's like to bring the people com- together and together they can work out their problems. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So church did that for Greeks when we were under ter- Turkish occupation and also as school. Like even when my mom was growing up in the village, in the villages in Greece, if you had a question, you would go to the to the priest because the priest was the one that went to school and he got wow. educated mm-hmm. and he he had education. So like if you're wondering like about something about life or they would probably be better informed. So they were a source of information. They were a source of teachers. Right. And the religious part was what kind of brought the common, um, it's almost like a, like a laws, like the laws. It's like we agree on these specific rules and that's why we're a community. And mm-hmm. that's where the people go to the, there for, to seek for wisdom, whatever you want to call it, because they actually knew more than like, if you, if you were a shepherd that, and you, some people can read, you know, mm-hmm. and you had to fill out the papers for the government. You go to the priest because he can write. Right. You know? And that's the purpose of what the the church is. But like the thing is that purpose gives you power and yeah. money. And maybe the, the, the priest that's in the village is a very nice person that just wants to help his villagers and whatever. And uh, it's good. And the community brings the community together and brings the community a voice. But ends up happening, this wealth trickles to the top mm-hmm. and it creates corruption and it creates all these other things and it creates power and control. And it turns into this ugly thing of what I think it is now. Right. You know, and mistrust. Yeah. And then you lose the community. So now it's no longer a community based thing, but it's a power hungry machine that wants access to government. Right. So that's a terrible, that's a terrible thing, you know? Yeah. But it all starts from the need to people to connect. Right. In the, in the essence of it. And they, they need, we need to have a set of agreements as people that we can come together and be like, okay, we can be different and disagree with some things, but these are the common things that we all agree on. You know, if we can agree on them together, we can call that a religion mm-hmm. and then we could gather together and in these principles, try to better our lives. Right. Yeah. But, um, is that religion or is that philosophy? What is that? Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. It's one of those things that it serves so many multiple like purposes, right? It's, uh, I guess it evolved in a way to, in human societies to fulfill all these needs of, um, reassurance and the teaching and this practical things and at the same time this i guess connection with uh, even entertainment like we uh, like you were talking about this old times when people like couldn't even write they didn't have even i don't know sometimes even like electricity or if they're going to make music sometimes they would or they would sing at home or those things but whenever you would see a spectacular thing would be in a church environment right and then you have the small ones and then the really huge psychedelic ones that had the when would you see like a painting if not on a church setting so it's different today and uh, i think uh, not to get too much into that subject but one of the things that i was uh, thinking the other day because i went to a couple of uh, 
Ukrainian uh, uh, Orthodox churches because I really like the art. And whenever I walk there, I always daydream of what would that would be as a venue for community, as you're saying, like, you want to learn music, you want to learn about certain, like, different things, or a place where you can go hang out and, I don't know, play instruments and uh, have, like, drinks, sort of like what a bar is in a way, but now I think it's all separated in our society, like, you want to, lo- you want to read something, you go to the library, you want to do a show, you go to the bar, you want to... Um, you want to rehearse, you go to a specific other place. But I think it's kind of cool to have this beautiful place where you can do all those things and maybe take the like, like dogma stuff? part out of it. Yeah, on the, yeah, the, just the community part. <laughs> yeah, I was walking around and always, whenever I go into churches, is the first thing I see. It's like all those high ceilings and different corners. Maybe you can like get someone playing there. But, yeah. like, maybe we'll get the there. The thing sometime. about the, the, the church too is that they ha- the church is a church that has money. Has yeah. money. So if you have money and you fund the arts, you're gonna make good art. Like right. You know that that thing that you go in the church and you look up and you're like, Whoa, Whoa. that looks amazing. Well, that guy got paid. Yeah. He got paid well. And he was a good artist uh-huh. that was making a living. Right. He studied it, he put time, and then the church paid him and he did something beautiful for them. You know? Yeah. Same as music, like all these organ players, the classical music, you know, it funded but, church funded classical music for still does, I guess. Yeah. In, in the organ, you know, yeah. there's money, there's money. It's the same as the courts. Like, do I like royalty? I do not at all. Yeah. Just make like, yeah. sure everybody knows I do not like royalty. <laughs> but... <laughs> I second that. I, I agree. That, yes, great. It's a silly thing. Yes. But a lot of courts funded a lot of great music. Why is Ottoman music like written down? And so because Save the courts, me. they funded composers to write and create. And that's the importance of funding for right. the arts. Because when you fund the artists, then the artists can create culture. And that's going to keep your identity and whatever in the way you want to. Yeah, It's not necessary. Music is going to happen no matter what. It's just when you fund it, then the artists are able to work on a a different on a different level, I guess, is I, that's not the proper word, but you understand what I'm saying. No, for sure. I think it's, but, uh, yeah, like without, I have this conversation sometimes, it's so interesting. Uh, I like sometimes to talk to people that are, for example, one of my best friends is like, a, like an accountant, financial advisor, and he's a super like right-wing person. And so I always like to talk to him about that. And I find that uh, People forget, just like in music, but one example that is easy is that most of the science that was created in the world, that even saving everybody today, like uh, and the reason why we're talking and everything, those things, they, they came from the like governments, sometimes even churches, like, uh, or like, uh, uh, like governments, or at least the community in a way, saying this is worthwhile to pursue, like go explore the cosmos, and then sometimes we'll find things that we can use in our lives. And it's not like, let's try to invent a television in in 1500s. We will not. But because of the accumulated knowledge we have. And with music, it's sort of the same thing. You can build a hut or you can build a cathedral. And the only way to, to actually make those amazing things and making the 
make a generation that can devote themselves to to doing that depends on that uh, on that support and sometimes it's um, yeah. yeah to me it's so difficult to tell like sometimes people it's like oh they should work on like for, especially for musicians like oh without funding they should just go and uh, try to like yeah. to end we can't sell music because there is a corp corporations that before it was like um uh like what do you call it? like uh, record labels and uh, people that would monopolize that the, the the distribution and then they would basically have just a few people so you didn't have a long tail of music being produced today being produced so much more music and so amazing music especially because people start learning from different places but then you, if you were super, like, you got a million, uh, like, uh, views on, I don't know, Spotify or, like, whatever, like, uh, streaming service, you get a fraction of that money. So you have to go and tour. And even on touring, yeah. it's always difficult. So it's, um, it's an interesting time to, to have but, a way but to... But also, mm -hmm. keep, it, keep in mind also that one thing I wanted to say is mm -hmm. that all these things, the church that they invested in music and art, they didn't do it out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah, yeah, it's propaganda. <laughs> they did because yeah. when you enter a chapel, like a beautiful chapel, majestic paintings, the architecture is just breathtaking. Yeah. And then you hear amazing music written by a genius, like Bach or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That experience is going to be a whole different, way different than if you go to like Village. an empty room yeah. mm -hmm. with no one in there, you know, and right. you just get a guy being there being like, do this, do that, do that, do that, you know? Right. It's a, they did it. They knew what they were doing. They didn't do it. They knew that in investing in the arts and investing in music, they were going to bring the people in. Right. To, anyway, it's a long conversation. Yeah, yeah no, but it's, a, it's an interesting Our thing. Music. <laughs> for sure yeah and that's uh, that's why i wanted to to do this and get this uh, thoughts from people and the funny thing is that sometimes i like i know you for like a few years and we certainly talked about a lot of things related to music but we don't really sit down and uh, talk for like an hour about like the things that are sometimes very near and dear to our hearts and then we don't really go and uh Oh, let me explain to you why I do this. You know, let's just jam, let's just talk. So, in a way, it's like a philosophical jam. So, I appreciate it. Before we go, let me tell tell me what uh, like where people should go to find you. We're gonna put lower thirds and everything in show notes and all those things. I'll put it on YouTube and everywhere. But where is the best way, place for people to go find your stuff? So, there's a few different things that I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, if you're into kind of more traditional. Uh, Folky, like not folky, but yeah, we have like, Kune, which I mentioned before. Kune is a group that we're working with. I'm a musical director of this group. Oh, you no? were? I didn't know that. That's new. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, maybe half a year. year. Yeah, yeah, like I, I, I was not there, so I don't know. So, and we have our awesome. first album, which is uh, it was a, a while ago, so it's not very representative right now. But if you live in Toronto, keep in, we're supposed to play in May, but I think the show is now in August. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's another group that I play with called Mosquito Bar, which is also kind of like a fusion of, but still folky. Mm -hmm. um, there's a group, if you're more into, um, I don't know, I don't want to say, it's not more, more uh, complicated mm -hmm. structures, I guess. More uh, instrumental mm -hmm. music. 
there's a group I play called Near East Trio, mm-hmm. which is which is great for that. And the last thing that I'm working on, which is my passion project that I work on with my wife, is called Catch Fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do a mixture of electronic music with sometimes I'll bring I'll bring some stuff from world music stuff like percussion and um but it's very electronic based so if you if you like more mm-hmm. party party times mm-hmm. it's also like a very great way for two people to create a sound like a huge sound in their own living room so that's what I've I'm working we have a new EP out so oh that's cool I didn't know that one. it's on cool. Spotify mm-hmm cool catch fire and we're working catch on a new, new album now Oh, cool. All right. All right. That's amazing. Cool. So any last uh, thoughts, words, any uh, last thing? Suggestions? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think you have. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. you have. You have stuff. I have stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. I really appreciate you like uh, taking the time. We haven't talked in a, in a while. Yeah, so right. it's good to catch up and catch up in front of an audience possibly. So no, but I, I really appreciate it. It's really cool that you that you're doing. We'll get uh, Lauren to come up in the show and talk to her too and see what she's doing. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what you're doing with the electronic stuff. It's something that I'm uh, uh, interested in trying to get into, especially because of this idea that you can do big sound with less people and still be very... I really liked what you said about being... uh, uh, How do you say... uh, How did you use abstract or like more like in... The one thing I would say about about electronic music Mm -hmm. is... Um, like any kind of music, it takes time to learn about it and to be able to use it. So mm-hmm. a lot of people that come from more traditional instruments, they dive in a little bit and they get overwhelmed. And then because the the abstractness of it, because mm-hmm. you can do anything you want, which is the worst thing that can happen to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's in every single art form. You don't want to be able to do anything you want. Never want to be able to, because you don't know what you want. Yes. Yeah. And then yes. you could go anywhere, and then it becomes a infinite source of procrastination. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, cool. So awesome. that's all, all I would say is get some software and start. Start playing around. Now. Cool. Awesome. Night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, cool. Demi, thank you so much. I appreciate okay, it. Yeah, man. Thanks. Bye. Yay. Cool. So that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Wanderings podcast. You can find show notes and links at pedrobonato.com slash podcast. If you like the show, I would love if you could share it with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on all social media at Pedro Bonato. I would love to hear from you. You can find my photography work at pedrobonato.com. The music for the Wanderings podcast is provided by the Blue Dot Ensemble, a music and dance group exploring traditions from all over the planet, where I am one of the founders and the lead drummer. You can find us at bluedotensemble.com. So tune in next week for another show. Until then, I urge you to keep following your curiosity, and I'm looking forward to our next Wanderings together. Music